Well, good morning, St. George's. Really great to be with you this morning on the, our second Sunday in Lent. If you could get a Bible out to Matthew chapter 7, uh, we're going to be looking through verses 24 to 29. So please get a Bible out with me so we can follow along. But first, let me pray. Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of all our hearts here would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, as we dive into your word this morning, we pray that you have something to say to us today. We pray that you lead us by your spirit and guide us in all truth. We commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And as you open your Bibles, I wanted to read a few pieces of scripture over you this morning. In 1 Samuel 2, it said, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. And in Psalm 62, it says, He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. And 1 Peter 2, it says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And in 1 Corinthians 3, For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. My friends, this morning, we dive into the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and we see the theme of building our lives on the rock. So our passage is taken from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount at the end, and to give a brief context of the Sermon on the Mount, it is the authoritative message of the Messiah, and speaking to his disciples, Jesus explains the reality of discipleship in the everyday world through the presence and power of the kingdom of God. These teachings in the Sermon on the Mount are quite challenging, and they're so challenging that they clearly point us to our need for a Savior. At the same time, these are a practical system that Jesus is laying out, and he expects his followers to strive to live by his words in the sermon, as with all of Scripture. So we must recognize that this sermon is directed to the disciples in Jesus' time, but through them to the whole church today. It's instructive for us. The Sermon on the Mount addresses both inward and outward conduct, and it calls on the adopted sons of God to reflect the character of their Heavenly Father. So when questions come up in our lives, such as, what kind of people should Christians be? What kind of character traits should a Christian possess? And what is the proper outward walk or inward habit of mind? What does that look like for the follower of Jesus Christ? Well, let us often study the Sermon on the Mount because we will find it, we will find in it answers to these questions. So let us ponder each sentence that we would hear and live by the words of Jesus as revealed in the Sermon on the Mount but as also revealed in all of Scripture. So let us walk through our main text this morning, chapter 7, verse 24 to 29. Just as a brief overview, in this text, Jesus warns of the calamity that will surely come if our lives are not built upon a proper foundation. And we see in this text two foundations, right? One, a life built on rock, and number two, a life that's built on sand. One is wise, one is foolish, in his own words. I'd like to draw your attention to, just quickly, some context. If you look at verse 21 to 23, 
we hear these sobering words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So we see in our text, and what we're going to see is the difference between the sayers and the doers, right? The difference of people who are living in lawlessness and then, the, and then people who are practicing righteousness by living in obedience to Christ's command, which itself stems from saving faith, okay? And so we see in verse 21 to 23 quickly, we see the aspect um, in which this man or this person is saying, Lord, Lord, right? And so if we look at that repetition, it's dealing with an intimate personal relationship, right? So this person would be expressing an intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But at the end, um, we see at the end in verse 23 that the profession is empty, right? In the final analysis, it's not going to be, do you say that you know Jesus? But it's going to be, does Jesus know you? Does Jesus have a personal relationship with you? Anyone can say that they know Jesus, but the proof is in our fruit, right? The fruit of our faith, the fruit of our justification, the proofs in our striving and our obedience. So Lord, the Lord is effectively saying, why do you say that I'm your Lord, but you don't do what I tell you? You don't do the Father's will. Okay, so that's our context. That is followed up with this parable. Let's look at verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So specifically in verse 24, these words of mine is immediately referring to the Sermon on the Mount, of course. But we can apply this to all scripture as the words of Christ. And again, remember those two foundation. foundations, those who hear and do nothing, and two, those who hear and do as well as they hear. So in verse 24, we see this. The man who hears the words of Christ and practices what he hears is like a wise man who builds his house upon the rock. Right? So Jesus would often say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. If you can really hear me, you will strive to obey my commandments. You'll strive to live a life that's characterized by obedience, right? And so we see this wise man who builds his house upon the rock. There's an active reality here. There's labor involved. So this man that hears and does is not one that is content in himself with merely hearing exhortations to repent, to turn his life around, to orient himself toward Jesus Christ. The wise man actually repents. He actually believes and he actually ceases to do evil. He's striving. He learns to do that which is good. He hates that which is sinful and he cleaves to that which is good. He's truly had a changed heart, and he bears fruit, and thus is truly saved in a state of justification. 
So this wise man is a doer as well as a hearer. And we saw it last week when R.D. preached on James 1. Uh, in verse 22 it said, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So we see that when it comes to building our house on the rock, when it comes to building our house on the foundation of Christ and his teachings, as revealed in the word of God, we must truly believe in him and truly bear fruit. The foundation includes Christ and his teachings. So it's not as though as Christians we simply believe and live however we want. That would be dead faith. But to truly be founded on the solid rock that is Christ, we must be hearers and doers. Disciples that are true believers build their lives on the bedrock of Jesus Christ and his message. These people are truly wise because of who Christ is. And thus they're truly saved. I like what Christ said in John 10, 27. I'll read this for you. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand hear those words of scripture my sheep hear my voice they hear christ they listen to him and he says i know them right there's a personal relationship jesus knows his sheep these sheep are truly people who can call him lord lord there's an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Right? Look at the wise man. He does the words of Christ. The sheep follow Jesus Christ. This is active, right? It's not passively hearing and doing nothing. No. This is a life oriented towards Jesus Christ, walking actively towards him, following him in obedience and doing and striving. And it's not a perfect walk, but we strive towards him. We're oriented towards him. And so as true believers, we hear him, we know him, and thus we follow him with a lively faith, following him in our actions. And as believers, we truly hear Christ in a unique sense. We hear him and we live a life rooted in obedience. We're built upon an eternal foundation that will never be destroyed, right? No one will snatch them out of my hand. If we're his sheep, we're built on the eternal one. So if we're truly in Christ and truly wise then, we are those who put the words of Christ into practice. Look at verse 25. Verse 25 says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. Right? The house built on the rock will stand the time of trial. Nothing can shake it. Nothing can shake it. When the floods of sickness come, when sorrow comes, poverty, disappointments, depression, anxiety, hardships, spiritual warfare, warfare, or the attacks of the demonic, and they will come in time, but the house built on the rock of Jesus Christ will stand unmoved. Nothing can harm it. This is a sure foundation. Christ and his teachings on display 
in the word of God. What great truths we have before us. So the hearer that does will not falter. This wise man, his faith will not give way because it's true saving faith. His comforts in Christ will not utterly forsake him. His faith in Christ and his obedience to Christ will sustain him. And ultimately, Christ is the one who sustains him. So we ask ourselves these questions. Are we facing any storms in these times? Are we facing any trials? Are we facing any emotional strain? And then the follow-up, well, are we truly trusting Christ for our salvation? Nothing can shake a house built on the rock. So in verses 24 to 27, we see that Jesus draws this dividing line between himself and any other foundation for life, right? Remember, the two foundations, rock and sand. No other foundation will suffice because every other worldly foundation, my friends, will be shaken. They will be destroyed in the end. Worldly foundations cannot sustain us, right? What materials are we using when we're building our house? Are they worldly materials? Or are they rooted in Christ, the word of God, the apostolic faith? So these worldly foundations will not sustain us. They're built on sand. Whether that's riches, influence, power, fame, impact, materialism, ultimately it's rooted in pride. But my friends, a life built on the foundation of Christ and his teachings, that will never fail you. That's a life built on holy ground because it's built on the Holy One and it's rooted at its core in the Word of God. That is a firm foundation. The worldly foundation will fail you, but Christ won't. He will never fail you. So as we look at this parable, just to give some context, in Jesus' time, specifically during the hot summer months, the sand that was around the Sea of Galilee was hard on the surface. But the wise builder knew that he needed to dig several feet below, right? He needed to dig below to the surface bedrock in order to establish a foundation for his house. In Luke's account of this, in Luke 6, verse 48, it says, Who dug deep and laid the foundation. So in good times, my friends, a shallow foundation and a deeply rooted foundation might not look that different. But when a storm comes, all is exposed. We are truly able to see in a storm which of the homes were built on a solid foundation. So as we lead into verse 26 here, to apply this, you know, many times people in this world feel as though they can be their own foundation. And when things are going relatively well, they feel like they don't need God. But when the storms of life come, then they are humbled in the wreckage. If the Spirit is at work. And so for as, as Christians, we have to be there for these people. That we would be comforting them and praying for them. And approaching them with a heart posture that's gentle and lowly. And that we would point them to the only sure foundation. 
in whom they can have hope and assurance and eternal life in Jesus Christ. So as we look at this parable and we see the ideas of building our homes, the one who hears and does, right? There's that active reality. And I was speaking to R.D. and Dan about this this week as we were brainstorming. There's an active reality to someone who hears and does, right? There's labor involved. It's not passive. It's not hearing and doing nothing. It's actively building your house with proper materials. It takes labor, right? Building our house on Christ and his teachings. Of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, we see many different aspects of his teachings. We see the Beatitudes. We see interpreting the law for the kingdom. We see piety and charity and loving of the neighbor in the kingdom, a heart for the kingdom. And we also see standards of judgment in the kingdom. So our question is, what materials are we using? Are we building our lives on Christ's words? This is why we're so focused in this series on God's word written. This would be at the core of our lives. Let's look at verse 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So we see here that those who hear the words of Christ and do not truly listen to him, not actually doing anything in response, are foolish men. This is what he says, right? They're passive. Those who fail to be doers of the word build their homes on sand, right? Remember the two foundations. And because they build their homes on sand, they invite the collapse of their homes in testing. They're not founded on the true rock. So when the storms of life come, these structures fool nobody. Thus, my friends, to be truly saved and in Christ, again, we will be doers of the word and not hearers only. This is the reality of true faith, striving to live in obedience to him, but founded on the grace of the gospel, relying on God's mercy, if falling, but growing in sanctification, right? There's a general upward trend as the Spirit is at work in our lives. So the second house, the foolish man's house, may even be a grand house from the outside. But when the storm comes, you see it's built on sand. It has no firm foundation. So in verse 26, we can liken this foolish man maybe to somebody who is all right with hearing and approving, but he goes no further. Maybe he flatters himself perhaps that all is right with his soul because he has feelings or convictions of spiritual kind. But this man never really breaks off from sin, never strives to kill sin in his life. He never really then lays a hold of Christ in the first place, clinging to him for salvation. This man never really takes up his cross, and he's a hearer of truth outwardly, but inwardly nothing has changed. He does not have this new heart, and thus is not part of his flock. So as believers, we have to be constantly striving to obey him, but constantly relying on his grace. It's only because of him that we're in a state of justification in the first place. 
He's the one who gives us a new heart. And with that new heart, our wills are conformed to his will. And thus we will strive to live a life in obedience. It's not a perfect walk. But we get back up and we press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's look at verse 27. So what's the end of this foolish man's house then? And thus his life. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Again, only storms reveal the quality of each house. The wise man builds on Christ and his words. The foolish man does not. So what's the end of this man? Well, his life is shaken. In the first flood of tribulation, his foundation cannot ultimately weather the storm. His house falls and is destroyed. This is the logical end of a life that does not live by the truth of Christ. Not believing in the gospel or trusting in him for salvation, destruction. A life that's not founded upon the eternal rock. But my friends, as believers, this is a life that we all once lived. That we were saved. We were bought with a price. We were saved from the destruction that we deserve due to our sins. Saved from a weak foundation that leads to death. As true Christians, predestined by God and called by him effectually and regenerated, justified by faith alone. Christ's righteousness cloaking us and being sanctified. It's the work of the Spirit. It's his work. We are not wise in ourselves. The wise man is only in this category because of Christ who is truly wise and is the eternal one who forgave his sins. While we were dead in our sins, Christ died for us satisfying the wrath of the Father and bearing all of our sin on the cross. So as believers, we no longer have this weak foundation like we see in verse 27. But we're now living a life founded upon Jesus Christ. So my friends, when the storms come in life, but ultimately, when the storm of judgment comes, there's only two foundations. One's built on rock. And one's built on sand. In one, we gain eternal life through Jesus Christ. The other, death and destruction and the pains of hell. But as believers, Christ has saved us. And we bear true fruit in him. And we can truly say with the hymn writer, On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. So we find our foundation in him. And Christ is the chief cornerstone of the church. Look at what we get to be a part of. The church throughout the ages, coming together to be instructed by the word of God and grounded and rooted and founded on the apostolic teachings as displayed in the word of God. That we get to share in word and sacraments. The foundation all on display in God's word written. 
that we would live life as a faithful body of believers, that we would be rooted in this word of God. And that really is to dig the foundation of our lives down to the bedrock where we take that word and we embrace it. We're able to stand against anything because of Jesus Christ. Able to stand against anything that the world, the flesh, or the devil throws at us. So we must search our own hearts and souls and answer this question. What have we built our lives on? Right? Remember the two foundations. Is our life built on the solid rock or is it built on sand? The storms reveal the quality of the house. What are we building our lives on right now? What's the bottom line of our lives? What's the big idea? What's the core of who we are? Is our identity in Jesus Christ? Or is it in a worldly foundation? We have an eternal one as believers to be thankful for. So we ask ourselves, are we building that life rooted and grounded in Christ and his word and thus submitting to his authority? Let's look at verse 28 and 29. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Look look how the crowds react. The crowds have never heard words like this before. The world has never heard words like the gospel message before. My friends, people are dying. We have the cure. His name is Jesus Christ. We've got work to do, church, that we would be vessels for him, submitting to his authority in our lives. So let us examine our hearts and remember, what we do will not get us into the kingdom of heaven. Only trust in Christ can get us there. But the test of whether our trust is real, the test of whether our justification is authentic, is in our fruit. Do we see the growth? Let us trust in him. Let us submit to his authority in our lives. The authority of the loving Savior. So in verse 28 and 29, we see that Jesus closes the Sermon on the Mount. And the crowds were astonished. Matthew describes the reaction. It's amazement at the authority of Jesus Christ. The crowds have never heard words like this, with such authority. The world has never seen a figure like Jesus Christ because he's God made flesh. There's a reason for that, and we have work to do as the church to bring this message of salvation to people who need it the most. In verse 28 and 29, we see that Jesus has inherent divine authority. It's his own authority. Jesus with his own authority, confidently corrects what the previous generations of scribes had said. And the crowds are astonished. May our confession, my friends, of Jesus' authority translate into the doing of his words. Jesus speaks on his own authority. And for believers in Christ, it is through this authority that we are declared 
clean. Because he said in John 15, verse 3, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. It's through the authority of Jesus Christ that we're declared righteous in the first place. It's through Jesus Christ that we get a new heart, that we have the gift of faith. And it's through Jesus Christ working in us through his Holy Spirit that we will bear true fruit. Because we're connected to the true vine and we're abiding in in him. It's all him. This is a firm foundation. Rooted in the gospel message. Rooted in the word of God. Heaven at the end of our days. Because of his free gift. Eternal life. Do we believe in this church? People are dying. We have the cure. His name is Jesus. A loving savior. Offering the forgiveness of sins, let us truly believe and be saved. Let us share this life-saving good news with those whom we love. Let us go tell the world about the rock who saves us. Let us share his words of eternal life. That we would point others to the firm foundation that will save their souls. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you this morning. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. We thank you for giving us a new heart. That we've been born again by the Spirit. And now we can live lives characterized by obedience. We thank you for that free gift, Lord. We thank you for eternal life that you've given to us when we are not deserving, but you've given it to us. Help us to steward the good deposit. Help us to be vessels, to share the truth of Jesus Christ, to point people to the firm foundation in which they will never be shaken. And we thank you for a loving Savior. We thank you for our shepherd. And we thank you that we are his sheep. We love you, Lord. Change us. Continue to sanctify us. We've got work to do. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen.